Marvel, DC, whatever the Dark Universe was. All these and more are renowned for connecting their films in a single universe. Disney has at least two. Marvel and Star Wars. But what if there was another secret universe owned by Disney, predating them all, hidden within the Disney Channel originals? Welcome to Unoriginals, a journey through Disney Channel original movies. Hi, welcome to Unoriginals, a journey through Disney Channel original movies. My name's David. And I'm Zach. And we're embarking on a little bit of a project here. We're looking at Disney Channel original movies. Once Disney Plus was released, I came to David and I said, Hey David, Disney Plus has a lot of movies on it, but I don't think anyone has ever sat down and watched every single one of the Disney Channel original movies. Every one of them that we can possibly find. So we decided, why not us? And certainly someone has, but we're the first to do something a little bit different with them. At least as far as we're aware. We're fairly certain that you can create a comprehensive timeline of the Disney Channel original movies in a single shared universe. Now, maybe it requires a little bit of mental gymnastics, maybe it requires a little bit of parallel universes, but I think we can do it. And if not do it, we can at least make a good effort. I think it's fair to say that first we should establish a few rules. Okay. First, I think that the films that are animated, right? Mm-hmm. Those are separate, clearly, from the live-action films. Right, like Tangled Ever After is not in the same realm as, for instance, our first movie, You Lucky Dog. And surely the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars crossover doesn't exist in the same universe as Luck of the Irish or Kiss right, of the Irish, because whatever that film is called. It's, it's too good. We can't compare those two together. Phineas and Ferb is a clear winner. So, there's clearly already to start two separate universes here, but that doesn't matter quite yet for our first film. It doesn't matter for 1998's You Lucky Dog, the first Disney Channel original movie on Disney+. Plus. If you haven't seen this movie yet, don't worry. You're not missing out on too much, and I don't recommend watching it. That's why we're here. I'm fairly certain that this movie is actually... Um, uh, th this film proved to me the existence of hell. <laughs> and the thing is, right, it didn't prove to me the existence of, like... A god or a heaven, like a good place you go after you die. It only proved to me that a hell must exist because this film exists. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? Right. So, a little synopsis of the film. Kirk Cameron plays Jack Morgan, who is a dog therapist who used to be a dog psychic and is still kind of claiming to be a dog psychic, but is really just scamming people. And then an old man comes to him and he says, Hey... My dog's upset. He says, oh, what's, you know, let me look at your dog. And he can actually read the dog's mind. And so the old man dies, and he somehow gets put in charge of, what is it, $65 million? Roughly? Um, that were left to the dog. So then hijinks ensue with the relatives of the old man wanting the money from the will. And that's basically what this film is about. There's no moral, even though they think there is. They do try to end the film with a moral, but there's there's not much to it. I think it's best to start the film at the beginning. Probably. Honestly, this film starts with a a song. Starts mm -hmm. with a song. Certainly a song. Definitely. A song with lyrics. A song that says to me that Disney went, Toy Story. You know Toy Story. You know who, um, I can't remember his name. Randy Newman. 
right? You know who Randy Newman is? And everyone went, yes. And then the guy in the board meeting who was pitching this idea went, that. They said, for the whole movie? He said, no, 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 just the opening song. <laughs> we can't try to make, we can't try to make Toy Story. And they, they decided, you know what, fine, we'll try, story, we'll try Toy Story. But then they quickly realized they don't have the budget for Randy Newman. Yeah, so I actually have some information about this song here from Wikipedia. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently being pulled from a Los Angeles Times review uh, that is claiming that this song is called Togetherness. And in 1999, right. it was nominated for a primetime Emmy. Uh-huh. Yeah. What for? So, uh, outstanding music and lyrics. Are Hmm. <laughs> This is the first time Freeman's hearing this. Hang on. I need to look up the lyrics because the only things that they say really is togetherness. Well, you yeah. hear it in the show is just togetherness. No, I'm, I'm looking up the, and that's, that's it. I'm looking up the article now. I'm looking into the um, original article and it's saying it no longer exists. So that's really cool. <laughs> Hang on. Who's it by? It's by David Michael Frank. It sure is. It's only showing me. It's only showing me Gallivant for the lyrics. And that's not what I want. That's a much better song. It, it sure is. I don't think the lyrics exist. I can't find them. Uh, and honestly, I don't blame anyone for them not being preserved. I don't either. But that being said, I am looking now on the Primetime Emmys uh, um, list here. 1999. Mm-hmm. and Well, it is here. It is in the 1999 Outstanding Music and Lyrics Division. Right. You Lucky Dog. Disney, David Michael Frank, and Todd Smallwood. And honestly, if you haven't heard the song, I don't know that you can find it on YouTube. I'm not too sure. I, I'm having trouble really finding it. And I feel incredibly comfortable saying that it's not worth listening to. No. So there must have been no songs that year. I mean, just just take You Got a Friend in Me and just kind of like make it a little bit slower and throw away half of like the fun of You Got a Friend in Me and you have togetherness. Well, as lazy as I think Randy Newman's like lyrics and songwriting mm. is in a lot of things, they're they're very similar. It's at least entertaining, though. Yeah, this is a ripoff of that, and there's nothing good about that. I also learned that this film was filmed over 27 days. It wasn't even a month. It shows. And it shows. And that this is a film that is notable because during it, there was a union strike. Oh, huh. Yeah, this is a actually once again according to um, a article from the Seattle Times, Kirk Cameron brought this film to Disney and said we gotta make this. <laughs> of course he did. And I can't imagine why you would go to this film and go, you gotta make this. We gotta make this film. I, I maybe like ninety percent of it got left on the cutting room floor it in must order to have. fit for TV. Or. And I think this is more likely is that Kirk Cameron is awful. Um, he, I, I'm guessing that what happened is Kirk Cameron, despite all evidence to the contrary, doesn't know how to read. So the symbols mm-hmm. on the paper look, that's the only explanation as to why you could look at the script of this film and go, that looks good. Right. Or another possible outcome here, mm. maybe Kirk Cameron has a pen name. And that pen name is okay. David Koval, okay. and Could he be. actually wrote You Lucky Dog? I, I actually believe that, yeah. But there's that, a lot of other issues with this, right? I could see is that, that happening. People are, the people that are in it are mm-hmm. James Avery, who is famously Uncle Phil in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He also played Shredder, I believe, in the Ninja Turtles cartoon. He's a good actor. He's a legitimately good actor. And he's in this film. Mm-hmm. He and is. he's not bad in this film, but somehow they put this poor man who's actually, like, an actor... 
in this film. Also, how did they get? I, I kind of get how they got John Delancey in this film. This is, but this is after he played Hugh. So I can't right. imagine. I can't imagine how they got him in this film because this film is supposedly right carried by Kurt Cameron and the dog who's in this film. I was gonna mm-hmm. say yeah, and it is, Which and one of them does carry it, the and the other one's Kurt Cameron. Is carried. Right. And I can't. I just can't believe it. The dog buying stuff montage is actually very good. There is a scene where they go to the mall and the. It's it's not the dog bad. who technically owns the fortune of this rich old man who dies that is distributed by Kirk Cameron's mm-hmm. character who I'm not even his name is Jack but I'm just gonna call him Kirk Cameron because um, Jack is just a name yeah Jack is just a forgettable name but that dog's that dog buying stuff montage is really good mm-hmm. there's one I think major problem with this film only one there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot of problems with this <laughs> film. Let's be clear. Let, let's be entirely clear. There's a lot of problems with oh, this film. Oh, there's a lot. But I think that it could be solved with a single rewrite. Okay. Every bit where Kirk Cameron's character becomes a dog, the film stops dead. Mm-hmm. Anything that was occurring that was, like, passable, um, like Kirk Cameron's romance with, and you don't know this because I didn't tell you this, his real-life wife. No. Yes. Her name is Chelsea Noble. She is married to Kirk Cameron. No way. Yes. She is famously from Growing Pains, where she acted along Kirk Cameron. And she plays Allison Kent, the the lawyer. She played, yes. The lawyer who <sighs> can't do her job well. Then how, how is their, how is their romantic how chemistry so How is there so, so little bad? chemistry? How do they have no chemistry? Yeah. I don't know. They don't have any chemistry. No. It doesn't make any sense. Huh. And those scenes are bad. But there's so few of them, right? Right? They don't have any chemistry. the The greatest chemistry in this film is with um the dog Lucky, played by Bogus, the dog, and like any inanimate object, right. because the dog can act, which is not to say that like James Avery can't act, but he's got nothing to work with. And I mean, there's and you have to. You have to assume, right, that they're being given direction, and they're being directed just to forget everything they know about acting. Mm-hmm. I I do have a theory about this. Oh, go ahead. I will say, the the best acting in this movie is done by the dog. And if it's CGI, which I don't think it is, because I don't think they would have had a budget for they it. They don't have the budget for CGI. So, according to according to the Los Angeles Times, this movie cost $4 million. Oh. Which is both too much mm-hmm. and nowhere near enough i mean a lot of that must have gone to the set pieces from when the dog redecorates the mansion because like, uh, they buy a I lot have to of presume stuff that like i have to presume that like at least a million dollars went into that at least because there's a lot of like custom furniture pieces like the giant shoe the cadillac couch the bone couch because well, someone one person cared about this mm-hmm. film and i'm peeking my mic because <laughs> i'm so angry about this one person cared about this film and that person is the person who made the sets for this movie. Oh, obviously. There's a lot of care put into these. There's dogs, dog paintings. There's mm-hmm. fake, like, stuffed animal heads on the wall mounted like hunting trophies. Like, someone cared about All this. of the, like, animal rugs on the floor are stuffed animals instead of regular animals because he's a dog. There's a giant shoe, a giant bone couch. Um, it's It's very nice what they did. They have, like, these... Um, candy jars that, like, you would see in a generic gift shop where they have, like, the bulk candy. They have those in the kitchen. Like, they, they put a lot of work into that. It is it is actually, to me, insulting that anyone cared mm-hmm. about this movie. There is no way, 
how is how did anyone care about this film? Kirk Cameron right. clearly did, but he's also well, wrong. Yeah, because he's the one who brought it up to Disney in the first place. I'm I'm sitting here looking at my notes and I'm just astounded. Here's one of the things: all the comedic timing in this mm-hmm. film is bad. All the dramatic moments in this film are entirely unearned, especially right. the ending, where it's about how the dog is teaching Kirk Cameron to live life to the fullest because he didn't know how to do that before, but now he's the dog's teaching him. We see no indication of that. We don't know Kirk Cameron before he meets no. Lucky. We know that the character is a dog therapist con artist who used to have dog ESP. Uh, he's out of money, for sure, because he's, he's been bouncing checks, or not even putting them in the mail, according to his um, receptionist at the time. Yeah, the most information we get about him is from the opening montage. Of him throughout the years, Where yeah. it shows that he was studied and all this mm-hmm. bullshit to prove that he had dog ESP. They casually throw in that he's an orphan, maybe. And that he just can't read dog no, minds there's anymore. there's a thing about those studies. It, if, if those studies exist and, like, they wrote papers and stuff and, like, dissertations to prove that he had dog ESP, right? Why wouldn't those come up later at court case. In the trial? Yeah. Well, because this film hates you. If you think too hard about this film, it will be right. mad at you. This film this that film hates point. you. This film hates you for true, watching true. it. And if you know Kirk Cameron personally, one, I'm sorry. But two, find out what he saw in this movie. For me, please. Three, tell me. can you have him call me um, and apologize? Because this is like the third time that I've watched this movie, and that's three times yeah. too many. That's more times than any human should yeah. do this. Film. I know you've only watched it twice, right? I've watched it twice. Yeah, I watched it three times. I don't Why did you watch it, it three times? Because, like, there was one time where I was like, I don't it's not really different. remember this, and I was, like, taking some notes down, and then I... I don't know. I do have a theory about his ESP, though. Okay. Presumably, his dog died at some point. Right. Now, all the ESP sense training, as far as we can tell from all the articles in the movie, are with that dog. So is Lucky, like, a reincarnation of his old dog? Lucky is either a reincarnation of that dog, or we don't see that he can ESP any dog prior to that point. But after the death of his dog, he locks himself off. That's true. He does a, um... Pulls a Luke Skywalker. He disconnects himself He pulls himself a Luke Skywalker. Force. He pulls a, um... Professor X. Right. Where he locks himself off from the his powers because his dog died because of a terrible event. Right. That also does bring up another question, doesn't it? What happened to the dog? No. The, oh. No. <laughs> Dogs have short lifespans. Well, but, like, what if something happened, you know? It's possible something happened. We don't have enough information. I think he has a superpower, which is going to come into play later. That will come into play because I, I mean, think we have he a has lot a of films power. here. I feel like that might maybe have something to do, might have a connection with Luck of the Irish eventually, as far as superpowers go, you know? Or Sky High. Sky High is not a Disney Channel movie, though. Is it not? No, it was a a direct-to-DVD release. I don't think it was on Disney Channel. Look, I feel comfortable putting this film, I don't know what universe this is, I don't think all of them exist in this universe, but there is at least a clear universe where superpowers do exist. Right. And I think this might be the first entry. Because this is, like, before superpowers have become common. You know, like, they, they, yeah. there are people with special abilities, but we don't have many of them yet. So this exactly. definitely is at the start of that kind of timeline in that universe area. It really is. It has to be. Mm-hmm. There's no real explanation otherwise. But my real question here is, what happens to the money when Lucky dies? He's a dog. He lives 
right. on average, like, 10 to, like, if you're really lucky, like, 15 years. Well, I mean, he is really lucky because he's lucky, well, but I would assume that it would go to Kirk Cameron because he's technically the beneficiary, you know? Like, it's under Lucky's name, but he's the beneficiary because he has... Well, that also creates the question of... Does Lucky have to write a will? I mean, if, if since they prove Dog ESP exists at the end of the movie, I would assume so. I want to talk about the twist of this movie. Right. I do want to talk about the twist in this movie. Okay. Well, well, let's 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 break from Dog ESP and the potential implications of a dog writing a will. If if I talk about Dog ESP, we're trying to keep these episodes to like thirty minutes. Right. If we talk about dog esp anymore we're gonna go way over we are gonna go over all right let's so plot twist big plot twist that happens at like the end of the third act of the movie like the end of the movie is when you decide to make this plot twist um this is all you boss we learn that um lyle windsor the the oldest of the three windsor beneficiaries that were related to mr windsor the one who died john delancey's character yeah uh we learn that when Mr. Windsor died, he was actually poisoned by John Delancey. Uh, he took Lucky out for uh, out to go potty, you know, like dogs do on quote unquote the coldest night of the year, even though they live in California, and it's very clearly the middle of summer. And before he takes him out, he has a cup of tea, but John Delancey stirred poison in a very clearly poison labeled bottle into his tea and killed him. Which is revealed in maybe the last five minutes of the film. If that. With no build-up, we see a version of a scene that we saw early in the film when the dog is sad, and Mm -hmm. Kirk Cameron's like, oh, why are you sad? And then he has a vision of what Mm -hmm. happened, and we just see the scene where um, the old man's like, oh, you're going to make me go outside on the coldest night of the year? And then he flops over dead outside. And it looks like he has a heart attack. And then maybe about, maybe 15 minutes later, John Delancey's character goes, we got to kill the dog. And the other two go, what, we, you think we can kill the dog? Won't it look suspicious if we kill the dog? And he goes, well, I pulled it off the first time, didn't I? Which is maybe, maybe 15 minutes after they show the scene where the guy dies. And it's like, well, obviously he killed him. Mm-hmm. The line is clearly saying, I killed him. Right. There's no subtext there. It is overt. And then at the end they go, the twist is that he killed him. Whoa. Which is absurd. Which is entirely absurd. Kirk Cameron's also sexist in this film, but I think he might be in real life. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot about real life Kirk Cameron, but I know he's a bad person. And then also, uh, a good thing to mention, after John Delancey gets called out on poisoning Mr. Windsor, um, he pulls a gun in the middle of the courtroom and holds them at gunpoint to get out of the room, essentially. Um, but then Lucky dives in at the last moment and knocks him over, and there's a whole fake out of all of two seconds that Lucky got shot for there's no reason. There's not even any blood. No, there was nothing. There, you hear a gunshot, have... but it wasn't even like... I they didn't know. even... They didn't even put the effort in no. to have him use fake blood. No. To like be like, oh, he's injured. They're like, oh, it barely grazed his ear. And it's like, okay. He clearly wasn't actually injured. There was no blood. Right. I want to know how he got... I, I need to know how he got a revolver like a snub-nosed revolver, too. Into this courtroom. In in the waistband mm-hmm. of his pants. It's not hidden. Maybe he originally hid it by, like, his zipper to try and, like, fake out the metal detectors? Maybe? I 
I don't I like buy his belt that, buckle, though. you know? Yeah, but then when he walks through the metal detector that goes off, right. they go take off your belt. He takes off his belt and now he still has a gun. Well, the thing the thing that they do at at Disney, when you go through the metal detector and like your belt sends it off, they just have you they like wave you down with the wand and they like make sure that you flip the belt buckle over, that way they can see the back of it and make sure there's nothing on it, and they'll let you go. So maybe it's something like that situation. Yeah, but but the reason that they wand, right, is the wand is Precise. more like precise and it can detect like it's it's tuned in such a way that it'll detect large right pieces so like of metal. it'll it'll beep over where the belt is and they'll be like show us the other side of your belt because you know it's it's your belt they're not gonna assume anything else yeah but but if that were the case they'd see the gun is that a gun in your pants or are you just happy to see that's it? my point I'm really unhappy <laughs> to see you. I'm incredible. I'm not even see. We're not sitting in the same room right now, and I'm incredibly you know what I was, unhappy. You know what I was unhappy to see? Messaged me at night and said, "Let's watch you, Lucky Dog." I was unhappy to see you, Lucky Dog, for a third time. I was unhappy to see it when I saw it the first time. So overall, um, IMDb rates you, Lucky Dog, a four point seven out of ten stars. What do you rate this film? I rate this film like out of like if this movie were a dog, right? How many milk bones would you give it? I would give this movie, I would say, 3.5 milk bones out of 10. Out of 10? It's, okay. It's not a great film. It There's a lot of things that don't make sense. The editing is a little bit off because there's some things that they could do so much better with the editing in this movie that they just don't. And the acting is all off. However, uh, Bogus gets a solid 10 out of 10 milk bones. He's the best part of the movie. For me, this film was borderline unwatchable. Really? Yeah, watching it a second time was a little better. Mm -hmm. But I have my notes from the first watch, and I have my notes from the second watch, and they're not—they're mostly the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because this film is even knowing what was going to happen going into this film, I couldn't believe my eyes. I this movie for it's like an hour forty-five at most feels like like an uncut Lord of the Rings film. It feels like it's three hours long. It, feels it does like it feel insanely long. For ever. And for for this short film, nothing happens. Mm -hmm. The most notable thing that happens is that they rip off Home Alone almost a decade late. Out of t I, I, my original rating, my original mm -hmm. rating when I watched this, I made out of five. Mm -hmm. If I extrapolate that out, I'm giving this one milk bone. One milk bone? One milk bone. The, the, if a film gets a zero mm -hmm. out of ten for me, like, it has to not be a film, basically. Like, it gets one because someone cared about this film. Right. Well, Kirk Cameron, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, someone put effort in on this film. <laughs> and it wasn't Kirk Cameron. And I'm just, I, I, I'm just in such disbelief. Because we can all agree this is a bad film. This, this film is really Oh, it's bad. not good. I think I hate it more than you do. I think you do. Because for me, it was sitting down to watch it a second time. I don't. I didn't get any new information because it just sits in my brain, and I think about it occasionally. Mm -hmm. Because it lives there now, right? And like, there's nothing I can do about that. It's it's a it's a thing that lives in my brain. It exists in my brain, and it's never going anywhere. See, I'm I'm kind of also trying to think of it through the eyes of the intended audience, which of course is for kids, and. For this to be a kids movie, like, it's fine. 
it's not good. It's not bad. It's it's not going to hurt your kid. Fun. I don't think it's going to hurt your kid. Right. But... Like you, if you sit your kid down and they watch this, they'll enjoy it. They'll probably like get bored halfway through, which will feel like to them about three hours in. But that's not the case. But I think for what it is, it's fine. But fine's not good. I think the problem for me really is that there's some really good kids media out there, mm-hmm. and kids are a lot smarter than people give them credit for. Oh yeah. So saying that it's it's fine, it's for kids, doesn't cut it for me. Like I don't think I could I don't think I could convince a child to watch this. I think that the kid would get bored halfway through and tell me to put on like superhero squad or something. <laughs> I don't know what kids watch, but something like where things happen. I don't know. I think superhero squad is worse personally. I don't. I I don't know. I I've seen like one episode. But... I remember that show. They had really big feet. It was weird. Well, well, forget about this podcast, Superhero Squad podcast time. <laughs> no, I don't think I could convince a kid to sit through this film. If you can't get a kid to sit through, like, Bambi, which is a good film. Right. It's at least a pretty film, but nothing really happens in it. How the heck are you going to get him to sit through this brown film where nothing happens? There's a cute dog, but, like, there's a deer in Bambi. Mm-hmm. Like, you couldn't make a kid sit through this. If, if I was a kid and you told me to sit through this, I wouldn't be able to. I would, I would like, break down before I even got to the end of this film. Right. I, as someone watching this for a reason, I almost just stopped watching and took off my headphones and walked away. Because it's just <laughs> painful to watch. So, if we... So, between our scores, if we average out our scores, that's a 2. So, 2 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair way to give our scores. Is an average of our scores. I think so, too. So, You Lucky Dog rated a 2 out of 10 stars. Or, 2 out of 10 milkbones. Excuse me. And we have put it so far on the timeline as being the dawn of heroes. Uh, the dawn of superhero people. People of great abilities. In at least one dimension, we're not sure if we're going to have more than one dimension. Because if a film be. comes before 1998, I will be surprised. I would be too, but I wouldn't be too surprised. Like I could, I could see how we could find something that would fit before then. I think it's possible, but I don't think we can determine that now. No, only one way to find out. If mm-hmm. there's a film worse than this one, I I do think there might be. We have we have a list of all of the movies as well as their ratings and. There are some pretty big stinkers on that list, and I am not excited to watch them. Well, I think next time, which I think we've determined that, if possible, this will be bi-weekly. Our next film, mm-hmm. Brink, from 1998, 7.1 on IMDb, mm-hmm. which right. is, like, almost twice as good as this film. All right, IMDb. I sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well... Thank you for listening. This has been our first episode of Unoriginals, A Journey Through Disney Channel Original Movies. If you liked our podcast, please like us. Please share us to your friends. We don't make any money out of this. We know our first episode is rough, but we're working on it. Next episode will be better. Well, it's still us, so if that's the problem, uh, it's not going to be better from here. But what I will say is... Thank you. Our sources and the links and credit to our royalty-free music at the beginning of the podcast can be found in the description of the episode. Thank you for listening.